turn with me uh, to Isaiah chapter 30. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just do part two of what we started last week. We, we preached a message last week talking about uh, divine convergence, a convergence between prayer and mission. And I laid out uh, biblically the, the scriptural precedence for, you know, seeing uh, what the Lord has put in place as it relates to the proclamation of the gospel throughout the nations of the earth, communities of intercessors that will continue night and day, and worship songs that will be sung by the people of God all across the nations, how those three, that proclamation, prayer, and worship ministry, that those have always been the plan of God to cover the earth at the end of the age as the catalyst for the Lord's return. And then I talked about in detail how the missions organizations of the earth are saying uh, with clarity, they're saying that we are looking at a 15 to 20 year window for the gospel proclamation to be preached through all nations, to see Matthew 24, 14 fulfilled, and this gospel shall be preached in all the nations, then the end shall come. And so we are standing at an unusual precipice in human history, and the church needs to be aware of that. Uh, The church in many parts of the earth is very aware of it, and uh, sometimes in the West, we can be a little dull and maybe not be quite as cutting edge as we imagine ourselves to be. And I really feel like the church in America has got to get their mind around the truth of the nearness of the Lord's return. There are so many uh, clear points biblically that identify that this is the hour, specifically those things I just went over and many others. But uh, what we talked about last week uh, was this issue of the joining of prayer and mission and how that is happening in the earth in an accelerated way right now, how the main missions organizations are asking for night and day prayer, and many of the prayer organizations are transitioning into launching missionaries. And so uh, we used to think that the prayer guy was, you know, they went to one room, the prayer people all did their meeting, and then the missions people all did their meeting, and then the worship people, they all, you know, did their meeting, But we're actually coming to find out that all three of those folks are invited to the same meeting. It's all one stream. It's called Jesus' plan for the end of the age. Amen. And so um, went over that in detail last week. And then I promised that I would take this week and try to explain how uh, it appears the Lord is working here in this house and connecting us with these things. Now... uh, Obviously, the most evident is the fact that we have been uh, a live worship and prayer meeting. We, we are a live worship and prayer ministry, and we've had a live worship and prayer meeting for the last six and a half years. I just want you to think about something. Since Genesis chapter 1, there has never been a continual worship-led prayer meeting uh, in this city ever. Until now. I mean, that idea, and I'm not saying that to poke my chest out. I'm just, I'm in shock. When we began to plant the house of prayer, you know, I remember we went 70 hours a week of prayer, and I looked at some of our leaders. I said, man, this is kind of happening, isn't it? And then we went like 120, and I looked at a couple of our guys. I said, hey, 
you think this thing's really going to work? Like, we're really going to go 24-7? They go, I think we are. I go, I think we are too. And when we did, I was the most surprised one in the bunch. I was like, this is happening. All right. My point isn't to say, look what we've done. My point is to say, look what God is doing in the earth, beloved. We're staring at a time that has, I mean, it's unprecedented in human history. And I'm in relationship and in, you know, consultation with houses of prayer around the nation and nations. And I'm looking at probably four or five others that are just getting ready. I mean, they're right on the verge of going 24-7. And once you get, you know, you get the first one in, which is Kansas City. And that was hard and, you know, Everybody kind of looked at it and said, what, what in the world are those guys doing? I looked at it and said, what are those guys doing? That's crazy stuff. Who would ever want to lead a 24-7 house of prayer? I mean, that's just foolish. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> Surprises anybody. And then so we're the next one that, you know, the Lord opens up. And for the last six and a half years, we've kind of been forging ahead, kind of plowing the ground. And now uh, there's probably four or five that are getting ready to pop to be 24-7 that I know of, and there may be more. But uh, I feel like once you get those guys in place, the thing just, gins, just begins to roll around the nations. I mean, just night and day, day and night, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours all over the place, citywide, houses of prayer in multiple locations, all sorts of praying churches. But uh, So that's the most evident way that we're connected in this merger, this, this convergence of prayer and mission. But I want to take you on a journey... Um, that began about 12 months ago for me and just kind of walk you through the storyline from my window. I will not be able to give you all the details. I, I mean, I'm leaving quite a few things out, but I want to give you the kind of the high points the best I can to try to help all of us get on the same page so we can recognize what God's doing right here. And I want to, I want to share a few scriptures first to help give you help give you some insight in the way that the Lord leads sometimes. So Isaiah 30, it's a great verse. Uh, This is a New International Version. I just like how it says it there the best. But uh, the Lord says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And uh, that verse for me is probably one of the most defining explanations of the way the Lord has directed me and directed us as a ministry, uh, really since our inception and for sure in the last year. The, the picture I get is this, it's, you know, you're, you're doing your best to hear the Lord, you're, you're, you're moving forward and you feel like, and, and the things you feel like the Lord is saying to you, and as you're moving forward, you're getting ready to take a left turn and the Lord goes, no, 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 this is the way. The voice from behind comes. And you hear the Lord, and he says, no, go this direction. And so you end up on a path that you never pictured yourself on. It's just God's way of directing. And then you go down that way, and you're going along a little while, and you go, okay, I'm, yeah, it looks like I'm going to go right here. And the Lord goes, hey, hey, turn left. And you hear the voice from behind you, and you go, okay, left here. And, and you're... You find yourself going another direction. You never dreamed you would go. You didn't see it. I would vantage, I, I, would, uh, I would bet that uh, many of you are in a position in life right now by the leadership of the Lord 
that you could not have forecasted five years ago. Even the very fact of maybe even living in this city, like perhaps you imagined you would be living somewhere else or what you're doing in life or, or where you're at or even the things that are important to you. I mean, I look at my life and I go, you know, I, I did not plan on being this guy. I, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be the guy that's always in a prayer meeting. I wanted to be the guy that was in a revival meeting. In my mind, you prayed to get revival. And then when revival came, you didn't have to pray anymore because you got what you prayed for, right? I I wasn't thinking I was going to be in this sort of perpetual delivery room mode, you know, like birthing forever. I mean, it's just like, what in the world? And And the Lord helped me to see that the prayer movement is not just the birthing canal. It's actually the revival to come as well. The prayer movement and the revival to come are one reality. And my point is this, when revival comes, you don't stop praying. Amen. And so I never saw myself doing this. I, I never, I, it wasn't in my 5, 10, 15, 50 year goals. It wasn't in any of my goals. As I said, I thought that night and day prayer was a pretty silly idea when I first heard of it. But going along, I started hearing that voice behind me, so to speak, that that one that I didn't expect to hear, and the Lord say, do this, and I would follow, and then he'd say, do this, and I'd follow, and here we are today, and, and I'm so thankful for his leadership. His leadership is perfect. He knows better than we do, doesn't he? Come on, God knows better than we do, doesn't he? He knows way better than we do. I'm so thankful that he, that he has, I mean, he has the ability to communicate. He knows better than we do, and I'm just so grateful for his hand of grace on my own heart because so many times it just, had he not moved me at the right time, it just would have been just devastating. One more verse, Isaiah 48, verse 17. I I love this one. Again, reading the New International. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'll let you get there. Isaiah 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you. Who teaches you what is best for you. I love that. Who directs you in the way you should go. I just love that. We don't know what's best for us, but he does. He says, this is who I am. This is what I do. I teach you what's best for you. We don't always like what's best for us, do we? We're still like that child sometimes. You don't know what's best for you. I mean, we're still that way a little bit, aren't we? It's amazing how we don't quite outgrow that. But the Lord teaches us what's best for us. He directs us in the way we should go. And I tell you, it's so beautiful when when you get to a place and you look back and you go, I would never have chosen to come here, but your leadership has been perfect. And I'm so glad that you led me because you're so good. You're so good. So uh, let me take you through our last year. On, um, on November 11th last year, uh, uh, 2011, 11-11-11, I had an encounter with the Lord. I was at the call event in Detroit. The presence of the Lord came on me while we were on the platform. We were praying for Nazarites. I began to tremble and shake under the presence of the Lord in a powerful way. 
And I felt strongly the Lord calling me to a, a season of consecration. I came back to the prayer room on the following Monday. That was a Saturday. Came back on the following Monday. Was sitting there in my chair. And the presence of the Lord came on me in a, in a powerful way again, trembling and weeping. And I knew the Lord was calling me and calling our house to a year of consecration, which we did at the beginning of the year. We called the whole house. I preached uh, six weeks from that point forward on Nazarites. We explained biblically what they were, and I called the whole house to a year of consecration. I pray you're still seeing that through. Many of you made uh, commitments to the Lord to fast more or seek Him in certain ways. And and by the grace of God, I, I pray you're continuing in that through the end of the year. And I hope that some of the things that you've done, you just find these are good patterns, and we just need to keep them in our lives. My family and I, we know it. sometimes it's been stronger and sometimes it's been less, but we've kept it through the year and we're just going to see it through to the end of the year. But uh, I remember strongly feeling the presence of the Lord and feeling the encouragement of the Lord and the Lord uh, inviting me to do uh, the Nazarite consecration and for the first season of it to grow my hair and grow my beard. Praise God. And uh, I remember telling my leadership team about that. And they were a little bit surprised and uh, a little bit unsure. You know, it's like, uh uh-oh, did he lose his mind? Is this finally the moment? He just went over the edge, you know. And uh, I remember one of our senior team, I won't call him out, but he looked at me and he said, Billy, if that's what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do, he goes, I'm with you. If if God's going to, if he's going to sink the ship like that, this, then I'm in. I'll just go down with you, brother. (laughs) I'll go down with the ship. I said, you, he, goes, he goes, I mean, I put my whole life into it. I'm not going to give up now. If we're going to go down, I'm going down with you. <laughs> going down? I feel like the Lord's telling me to grow my hair. You think we're going down? He goes, man, I think people are going to freak out. I think they're going to leave. I said, well, if they leave, I guess that's just it. They do. And you know what? You didn't. You hung around. You stayed in there. It was good. I, I looked pretty crazy for a little while. But it was fun. Man, I got to shave that beard in April. Man, I felt like a new man. Hallelujah. Just like, you know, just shedding my skin or something. It was awesome. So we, we launched into this year of consecration. And, you know, uh, for the, I, I've given the story, but for the first two months, man, it was hard for me. I, I felt incoherent. I couldn't pray hardly. I tried. I spent longer hours in the prayer room, and it was, it was excruciating. It was difficult. I couldn't focus. I was like, had an extra dose of ADD going on, and, and I couldn't read the Bible, and it was just hard, and I, I mean, just not feeling the Lord very much. And then the beginning of March, we'd already had a ministry trip planned. We were going to go to China, and we, we take the trip, and I'm going to China on the mercies of God. I'm like, Lord, I don't feel you. I look like a guy that just walked out of the woods. Help. Like, here I am. I had a friend tell me, he goes, oh, white guy in China with a huge beard? He goes, oh, yeah, they'll never notice you. (laughs) I said, oh, man, I'm, I'm about to go get arrested. So we go to China, and I was absolutely blown away in China. The Lord met me in China. I felt his presence. There was a freshness on me twice during the trip. I woke up. Of course, you, you know, you're jet lagged, so you wake up early. And I woke up early in the morning with a Bible study going on in my head, just the Lord quoting verses and just teaching me. 
Simple truths, just bringing me back to a simple place of devotion. And man, my heart came alive. And I was so challenged and blessed by connecting with the Chinese believers, the Chinese leaders. It was uh, one of the, probably the most impacting connection uh, I've ever had in my life. Uh, just to meet these, these precious saints, these men and women who suffered for Jesus and their humility and their servanthood and their community, the value that they have on, on gathering together and being together with one another, the simplicity of their faith, uh, just walked out day to day, and the authenticity of their hearts. And uh, just, just, there's just such a childlike faith that just, it just challenged me to the core. And, and, I, and I really, I, I was just so grateful to the Lord for bringing me there, you know, it's funny, when you go on a ministry trip, they invite you to come and minister, and they made us preach a whole bunch and pray for everybody. It was just silly. After a while, I was like, okay, I'll pray for you if you guys will all lay hands on me. I mean, that's what, by the end, I was bargaining because I was seeing so much value in what those believers had and so much that I lacked. And, um, and so from there, I went to Central Asia, connected in amazing ways with some, some really key leaders in Central Asia, and then came home. And while I was on that trip, the Lord spoke several truths to me. Um, you know, he, he, he really emphasized a few things. And, and from there, we've, we've begun to transition in a, in a radical way. Now, I wasn't thinking we're transitioning to anything. And I, and I don't think we've transitioned out of in terms of what we have. I think what we've had is, is still what we are. I think we've just added some emphases to our, our already established DNA. Our mandate for night and day prayer has not changed. Our focus on night and day prayer has not changed. Who we are as a forerunner people preparing for the Lord's return, focusing on intimacy and end times and breakthrough revival and the Sermon on the Mount. These issues, this has not changed one bit for us. This is who we are to the core. And so in that, the Lord added some things to us that I thought was uh, you know, just stuff I didn't, I didn't picture. It was the voice from behind speaking. This is the way. And so one of the things the Lord emphasized to me in China, just as I watched those believers, was a simple gospel. And he just said this to my heart. A simple gospel is a powerful gospel. Because I watched these believers who didn't have depth of theology and, and all these different things that we have in America, but they had the simple gospel and they were winning hundreds of people to Jesus. In fact, 30,000 a day to this day are getting born again in China. Primarily through the witness of the whole church. Primarily through people sharing a simple gospel. Explaining that you need to know Jesus. Your sins have condemned you. Jesus paid the price for your sins. If you will repent and give your life to Jesus, you'll be delivered from your sins and you'll be saved. They preach a simple gospel and it's powerful. And the reason why a simple gospel is powerful is because the Bible says it is. Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God and salvation. And so what we've done in the West a little bit is we've had to add, you know, we want to entertain. And so we've added all these different things to the gospel to make it palatable. And so people will receive it. And we imagine that we've got to sort of sugarcoat it, so to speak. To, and I'm not saying we even water it down because people do preach the gospel. We'll add all these bells and whistles to it so that people will go ahead and receive it. But you know what? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Anyway, if you preach the gospel, it is the power of God to salvation. And so we've got to get back to that. And, then, and so that was one of the key things the Lord spoke to me about. And I came back and I preached six weeks on, on the gospel. 
on just the power of the gospel. And I called our whole house to become uh, people who just regularly share the gospel. And I encouraged you to, to share your faith with two people a month and, and to target your neighbors in prayer, family members, and then ask the Lord for specific times of sharing with them as well. And I hope that's going well for you. I've continued this year just to share the gospel as the Lord gives me opportunity. I just shared the other day with uh, 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 the lady that was cutting my hair. She was a Muslim. And I was able to share the simple gospel with her. And, and we, we began talking about uh, religion and, and uh, Christianity and Islam. And, and I, I just asked her that question that I, I trained you guys to ask. I said, have you ever heard the gospel? And she said, the what? I said, the gospel. Have you ever heard that? I said, do you know that word? She said, no. She said, what is this gospel? I said, the gospel is the Christian story of salvation and redemption. And I just left it there for a minute. And she's sitting there looking at, you know, she's cutting my hair. And she's sitting there just reflecting and looking at me for a minute and cutting my hair. And she goes, well, you could tell it to me. It's okay. Tell, it, tell me the gospel. I never thought you'd ask. And I got to share the gospel with her. And then I got to quote the Quran to her. And she was in shock that me, a Christian, knew actually more passages out of the Quran than she did. And we've got, a, we've got a conversation going now. And she gave me her email. She said, I want you to show me these passages. Show me these verses. I go, I'm going to get my hair cut by you next time. And we'll talk more about this. She goes, I'd like that. But this is just how we're supposed to live as Christians. We're just sharing the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. I don't care if they're Islamic. I don't care if they're Hindu, Buddhist, rich, Poor, tall, short, it doesn't matter. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. It just is. And so we shared that. And then we talked, uh, you know, when I was in China, I, I, I talked about how they, they were so humble and servant-hearted and, and there was such a value on community. And, and so then from that series, I preached another series on community. And, and we called everybody to relationship with one another and service in the house of prayer. And, and we built out um, a small group ministry that now we have like 25 small groups that are now meeting. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. You can. You can get in at the information table. You can get information and get plugged into a small group. We're working on plugging people into service. We've, we can do as much as we can at one time. And so we're, we're really working on it. We need to get more people plugged into serving in the house of prayer. And we've got some plans for that coming up in the days ahead. But that was the next thing. I, I preached this series on the gospel. And then this series on community and what real community is. And how we're to connect relationally as part of the body. And, and how we're to serve together as, as, as you know, part of our calling and our giftings. And, and, and so that was a major point. One of the other things that I saw when I was in uh, China was this. That it just became so evident that every believer was a, uh, a minister, every one of them. And I know we've said that in the church in the West, every member's a minister and, and every person's a missionary. But man, when I actually watch them walk that out, nobody goes and gets a career in, in the church that I saw. Nobody goes and gets a, a career in China because they're chasing their dream. What they actually do is they ask the Lord how they can uh, minister to the lost and where it, where would he like them to work? It's a completely opposite mentality of how we think in the West. 
This man I met, he's a pastor, he had uh, three children, they're all doctors. The reason why they were doctors wasn't because they had dreamed to be doctors their whole life. The reason why they were doctors is because they could use that skill in an aggressive way to reach the lost. And I heard the story of one of the pastors and he told his congregation, the small group that he was meeting, because they meet in multiple congregations all over the nation. He said, I want to reach this factory here. And he put it out to his congregation and said, I need three people to get jobs there. If you want to get a job, let me know. Three of them said, okay, here we are. We want to get jobs at the factory so we can reach people for Jesus. And within just a very short period of time, they'd won 200 people to Jesus in the factory. This is how they thought. And I was blown away. I was like, man, they're not thinking, you know, how do I work my way up the corporate ladder and make sure my 401k is nice and fat so I can retire. They're just thinking, how can I lay my life down for Jesus the most? They're not looking for a retirement in this life. They're just looking for the age to come. And they want to spend themselves for Jesus. And I thought, you know, there's no sacrifice too great for the Lord Jesus. And I just watched how they lived. I went, man, every member truly is a minister. And I thought, you know what? That's right. That's how we're supposed to live in Christ. Every member is a minister. And every person in Christ is a missionary. And the Lord began to challenge me on the way that we build in the house of prayer because building a prayer meeting is difficult. You have to continually call people to the prayer meeting. You have to continually invite people to come to the place to come and pray. But the Lord challenged me and he said this. He said, if you will see to sending the missionaries, I will see to the gathering. I went, that's the exact opposite of what we've been doing. He goes, It's the voice from behind you. Follow it. So I said, okay, Lord. And on a Tuesday, right after I got back from China, I stood in front of our staff, and I've said it now on Sunday mornings, and I said, I'm covenanting with the Lord that every person that the Lord wants us to send into the mission field, we will send them. I'm going to see to the sending in intentional ways. If you want to go overseas, we want to send you. And I said, and I'm going to allow the Lord to see to the gathering. And beloved, it was a matter of weeks And I had gotten contacted. Now listen to this. It was a matter of weeks. And I'd gotten contacted by a number of people between interns, school ministry, and then people that were moving here to join staff. I'd gotten contacted by 40 folks that were all moving to Atlanta to come be a part of the house of prayer. Just when I said, we're going to see to the sending, God goes, good, I'm going to see to the gathering. 40 people heading in your direction right now. I'm like, wow, this thing works. Amazing. It's cool. And so this year, we will see uh, five full-time missionaries on the field sent from the house of prayer here. In September, we, we sent our first international earlier in the, uh, to an international location. Earlier in the summer, we sent some inner city uh, missionaries. We're getting ready to send some to northern Mexico. Five this year, full-time missionaries on the ministry field out of the house of prayer. Just at saying that to the Lord, we'll do it, Lord. And the Lord goes, do it. We've already got people readied that are already planning for 2013 to be vocational missionaries overseas. And I'm, I'm believing God that this little community, that we will send 10 people a year to the missions field full time. We go, you know, five people, 10 people, that's, that's nice. Well, from our community, our little bitty community, 10 a year is aggressive, that means in 10 years we'll have 100 on the mission field. I believe the Lord wants to do that. Anybody want to agree with that? 
I believe that. I believe that's who he's calling us to be. And and all of a sudden, we are in this transitional mode where we've been gathering to pray. And the Lord says, I want you to send them to the nations. Why? Because he's going to cover the earth in night and day prayer. He's going to cover the earth in night and day prayer. So he wants to send fiery, hot, burning and shining lamps right from the place of prayer, right to the nations of the earth. Well, simultaneously to that, we end up with the, uh, the Chinese leaders here in, in April and, and, and the guys from back to Jerusalem are here with us. And out of those meetings, it was an awesome time, out of those meetings, they ask us here, here in Atlanta to be the training hub for every Western missionary that wants to go on the field with back to Jerusalem. Beloved, that is huge. They've got like 25 locations through the 1040 window in addition to China and they said, we don't want to send anybody to the mission field without them coming through and being trained in a culture of prayer at IHOP Atlanta. They haven't offered that to anyone else. It's just something they threw, it fell right in our lap. And so here we are, and we're in this mode of things shifting radically, going after the gospel, going after community, going after missions. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? And it's one of those things where, he leads not like we lead. And I remember hearing a prophetic story uh, from the 1980s where uh, this, this, this prophetic man, Bob Jones, he'd, he had this encounter with the Lord. He'd had this, this dream, and, and they were on a bus, and, and Jesus was driving the bus, and they were going up this hill, and Jesus was going really, really, really slow up the hill, and everybody on the bus was getting really like you know frustrated, like, could you speed up? They're yelling at Jesus, speed up. And he's just driving slow, just five miles an hour up the hill. And they crest the hill, and Jesus floors it. And he's flying down the hill, and he's like going you know, fast around the corners. And they're going, slow down, slow down. Well, that day, Bob Jones goes out, and he's digging in his garden, just working in his garden. And he hits this metal thing, and he pulls out this two-foot-long cast-iron bus the very next day. And the Lord's speaking to him, I'm the one that leads slowly up and fast down. All I can tell you is this. We are right now in a Jesus going fast down the mountain mode. I'm like hanging on. You know, the skin on my face is like peeling back. I'm like, what are you doing? But it's what he's doing. Overnight, evangelism. Overnight, community. Overnight, missions, gospel to the nations. Overnight, you're the training hub for back to Jerusalem. Overnight, I'm connecting you with the Chinese church. Overnight, literally, these things, boom, 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 one after another. Well, it's April now. And I'm in the prayer room, and I've been talking to uh, Jamie, the man, Pridgen. <laughs> Got to differentiate. And... <clears throat> If you don't know what I'm, why I have to call him Jamie the man, because his wife, his name is Jamie also. There you have it. So we're walking and we're, we're praying, and, and I'm burning with this idea. I mean, it's just on my heart about Jamie leading, he and his wife leading a church plant to reach youth and young adults. And, and I'm just, you know, we're walking past each other and praying, and I go, brother... I want you to pray about this, reaching the young people, reaching the young adults. And, and uh, 
And I share a little something with him, and we walk and pray, walk and pray. He goes, man, I think I'm feeling this. I feel like the Lord might be saying da-da-da-da. I go, yeah, let's keep doing it. And, and so we're praying, and every time we would pass each other, we would get like another nugget. I go, yeah, and you're supposed to win people from GGC, and we'll get them trained in the house of prayer. He goes, yeah. And then we pass each other again. He goes, that's right. We'll train them in the house of prayer, and we'll send them to the nations. I go, that's right. We're going we're gonna to win young people to the Lord. We're going to train them in the house of prayer. We're going to launch them to the nations. He goes, yeah, that's right. And we look up, and at that moment, the Chinese pastors that I'd been with in China walk in the door of the prayer room, in the flesh, physically, not a dream. I go, what? What? I go, that's the, the, the Chinese. We're going to send them to the mission field. And they walked in the room right when we said it. What's happening in here? They weren't supposed to be here. They just happened to get here like half day early and they just happened to show up right in the moment that we were talking about sending students that we were going to win at GGC to the nations. Well, right out of that, it was when the, the Back to Jerusalem asked us to be their training hub to send people to the nations. And I, I, we're just like, what is going on here? So that's April. Well, we launched the church in August. And now it's like we've blinked. And now, beloved, we're reaching like 125 young people a week through this church plant on Thursday nights. They've literally won somebody to the Lord every single week. They've won like 15, 20 people to the Lord over the last two months. People that don't even know anything about Jesus are getting saved. They're gathering. Now we're meeting on the campus. We're a, a, a registered student organization there on GGC campus. There's 15,000 students from junior high to college within two miles of the house of prayer. And in one second, the Lord commissions us to plant a church and go get them for the gospel. And it's happening now. Uh. And I'm just looking, I go, how? Who's doing this? He goes, it's the voice from behind. Follow it. That's the Lord. I go, Lord, I don't, I don't know how you lead, but your leadership's good. You know, last year in November, when I'm getting pierced through with this Nazarite thing, I'm thinking it's a year of, you know, fasting and long hair and like pain in the prayer room and it was for two months and then the lord flips a switch and who knows i couldn't see anything that he's got that he's got going on now here i couldn't see any of it i, I wasn't anticipating any of it i wasn't thinking plan a thursday night church to reach young, reach young people but in a moment in a moment god flips the switch and and he does that all right now i want to take you now through another story because this is where we're going, and this is what's uh, the very next thing on, on our agenda. But this next point, I want to I take a moment on and tell the story, because it, um, it immediately uh, affects us, our Sunday community. Now, check this out. So in July, uh, my family, we moved from um, about 15... 20 minutes from here to just three minutes from here. And there was a whole series of events that all these things had to fall in place and they all fell in place like perfectly. I just broke it down to somebody the other day. It's like 15 things that had to all line up and they all lined up for us to be able to move. And it was just the hand of the Lord just, just working so many things out. And so we moved. And uh, we're right here by the house of prayer now. It's just changed so many things about how we can interact at, at IHOP. Well, uh, we move on a Friday, July 20th. 
And uh, it was about 105 degrees heat index, I remember. And the, uh, we had twice as much stuff as we thought we had. We had two 26-foot uh, U-Haul trucks instead of one. And so that day was loading and sweating and unloading and sweating and loading and sweating and unloading and sweating. And I mean, just drinking fluids. And I mean, by the, we got it all moved over. And by the end of the day, I was just absolutely, I mean, just wiped out. But we have a Friday night end time service. And so I showed up that Friday night just bobbing and weaving. I said, here I am. We're going to do a question and answer tonight. <laughs> Ask me anything. I'll be happy to answer. You know, I mean, it was one of those. It was like, I haven't had time. I've been moving. Da, da, da. Here I am. And so we do the service. I, I literally, I get up the next day. I go, okay, I am going to try to, you know, unpack. And I am so exhausted. Like, I can't even get myself to move. It's not even like till 11 o'clock, you know, 12 o'clock where I can actually even move. So I'm, I, you know, moving things around, sort of piddling around the house. The next day, two services at IHOP. And then the next day is our Mondays, which we, the way we do it at House of Prayer is all of our organizational meetings are, are on Mondays. And so that next day was organizational meetings all the way till six o'clock at night. And so I should have been completely wiped out. I go to bed that night and uh, I'm, I put my head on, my, on the pillow and, uh, and the Lord starts resting on me. And the Lord speaks to me and he gives me uh, this this sharp, strong word. Because I'm, I'm kind of looking at what's going on with our Sunday community. I'm preaching on evangelism. I'm preaching on community. I'm calling people to go for it and, and really join. And I, I feel like maybe the Lord, and it's in my heart, I don't have a word, I just, but I'm feeling like maybe the Lord is going to plant a church out of the Sunday community. I lay my head on the pillow that night. I'm just, I sort of have that feeling. I think I just floated it to a couple of our leaders and I lay my head on the pillow and the Lord speaks something to me. He says, Gate City Church. Gate City Church. And when he says it, it was like every uh, adrenaline booster in my system goes, shaboom, it just goes off. My eyes wake up. I go wide awake. I'm like, oh my. Oh my. And I'm, and I'm trembling. And I'm three minutes from the house of prayer. So I come right over here and I'm in the prayer room. And I'm, I'm pacing the aisles, and I'm just praying, Gate City Church, Gate City Church. Yes, I'm feeling the Lord, Gate City Church. And I'm looking at the prayer room, and it's the most bizarre thing. When the hand of the Lord's on you, things look different. They feel different. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm walking around in the prayer room, and everything looks different. The place looks brand spanking new. Like, this is bizarre. This is awesome. I love the night watch, you know. It's, it's like one o'clock in the morning. I should be knocked out. I can't sleep for anything. I'm wide awake. I'm wired. Gate City Church. Yes, God, birth Gate City Church, whatever that is. Do it, Lord. Birth Gate City Church. And I go sit down there in the back, and the Lord begins to speak to me. And he says, he shares some really precious things to my heart that I won't go into now. But he says this real clearly. He says, I am going to send you, and I know you is IHOP Atlanta. He says, I am going to send IHOP Atlanta a pastor. I go, good. Yeah, Gate City Church. We're going to have a pastor. 
Praise God. Yeah. And I immediately know that what the Lord is saying to me is that we are going to take our Sunday community and it's going to be launched as a church just like our Thursday community was with Forerunner Church. I know this immediately. And I know I'm to be part of the pastoral team and I'm going to be preaching on Sunday mornings, but I'm to share it with a pastor that God's going to send me. And so I'm going, God, who is that going to be? And I'm imagining some, you know, you know, 30-year-old guy, I'm going to have to train up and hopefully he won't make too bad mistakes and all this stuff. And going, okay, Lord, whoever he is, that young man that you're sending, help him not be too goofy, Lord. Praise God. Gate City Church. And it's on me. And the Lord's on me. And I'm here till 3 o'clock that morning. Now, again, remember, this is the weekend that I moved. I should have been completely exhausted. Instead, I'm totally wired. Go home. And uh, the next day, I get an email. And the email is from Rich Stevenson. And Rich and I had had a meeting planned for that Thursday. Now, I connected with Rich three years ago over missions stuff. And he said he wanted to meet with me about mission stuff. And I thought, well, of course, because we've got all this mission stuff going on, it's clear God is going to do something with Rich and us and all this missions things. And he sends me this email, and I looked at the dates, and it's exactly right on it. And he sends me this email, and the email says, I just want to give you the heads up that when we meet on Thursday, my wife and I are considering a transition, and that's what I want to talk about. Well, it's not in my mind that Rich is a pastor. It's, what's in my mind is that he does missions things because he was the apostolic mission school guy at IOP Kansas City. And I just figured that's what we had talked about and all this. So Thursday comes and Rich and I meet. And I'm sharing with him all these things I've just shared with you. I mean, we're sitting there at the Mexican restaurant and I'm sharing this stuff. And I go, dude, I don't know what's going on. We're doing missions. We're doing, I don't know, evangelism and church plants and young adult churches and forerunner church and back to Jerusalem. And who knows? But man, still cool stuff is happening. I'm hanging on. And I go, I think God is about to birth a church out of us on Sundays. And I looked at him. I go, you know, it's weird. I preached on evangelism and I preached on community. If I was going to plant a church, I think I'd preach on evangelism and community. How weird. I, I didn't think about that at all, guys. All I knew is that's what God was speaking to me in China. And I'm just following what I feel in my heart. So I'm sharing all this with Rich. And I look at him, and he's weeping. And I go, okay. What's going on? And he goes, well, my wife and I, we've been praying the last 30, I can't remember what you said, 30 or 45 days. We've been praying about transitioning here. And everything you're saying are all the things that are moving in our hearts. I said, well, wow. And we, and we you know, I, I hear their story a little bit. And, and there's a transition going on. The Lord's clearly doing some cool things with them. And we come back here and we're sitting in my office. And I go, well, you know, we got the missions thing. We got the, the church thing. We got a church planning thing that you and I have talked about. What do you think? You know, in the middle of all this, guys, we've, we've planted our school of ministry uh, that's got one of the key emphasis is launching people to the, to the nations and missions. I'm thinking Rich is going to come in. I think he's going to do some kind of mission something. So I go, there's these three options. I go, what do you think? He goes, Billy, he goes, the thing that's burning on my heart, if there was, if there was something just down the center of the target for me, and I'm expecting him to say it's missions, he goes, it would be to help pastor a church out of, based out of night and day prayer. I looked and I go, you're him? 
You're the pastor? Cool! This is awesome! Now, now Tanya had given him specific instructions. Don't sign anything when you meet there with you and Billy because you guys are going to get talking and sparking. The next thing you know, you're going to be signing on the dotted line. Don't say anything. So he said, I can't say anything because Tanya told me not to because I'm extremely interested in this. He and Tanya go home. He goes home to Tanya and they talk it over. And before Tanya even has a chance to visit Atlanta, she says, I know this is the Lord. This is our time and we're going to transition into IHOP. Beloved, here's what I'm telling you. We are about to launch a Sunday morning community that's going to be broader than we've had our Sunday morning expression. And IHOP Atlanta is now going to birth a second church, Gate City Church, with a real pastoral team, with real you know, small groups, real helps ministries, with all these things that help people connect to the vision of night and day prayer. What we've done so far is we've said, okay, we're, we are a church together, and that's still true. But we are now going to emphasize the community of Sunday morning with a real leadership team that's going to offer handles to people in the community, to people that are a part of the House of Prayer community. And we're actually going to grow as a church family beyond anything that we've had in the past. Now, come on. This is where we're at. I look at this and I go, Lord, I couldn't have seen this. A year ago, 12 months ago, I didn't, all I saw was hair and fasting. That's all I could see. But here we are a year later, and the Lord is launching two churches. We're going to have five missionaries on the field. We're the training hub for back to Jerusalem. We have uh, a school of ministry that we've launched. I mean, the thing has exploded and accelerated so quickly it's just Jesus driving the bus down the hill. Now, somebody goes, now, so wait a minute. Rich is going to come in, and what are you going to be doing? Well, we're going to be part, we're going to be a pastoral team. Rich will be the lead pastor. I'll continue to be the director of the missions base. I'll continue with Rich to preach on Sundays. We'll both be preaching on Sundays, and we're going to develop so many of the, of the things, the, the outreaches and the ministries of, of, a, of a local church community that enable people to connect relationally and in service ways and to get uh, discipleship and accountability. I am extremely excited about it. It's what the Lord spoke to me that night sitting there in the prayer room at 2 a.m. I want Rich, I want you to come on up here and uh, I want you just to share just your perspective, anything that you think is pertinent to the story. You know, uh, you and I are just having a ball right now because we're, we're talking through all this. I got him on the black mic. But we're talking through all this stuff and, and these back meetings and we're just working, you know, really hard hand in hand on how this looks. But share anything that's on your heart that you feel like, you know, is pertinent to the story. Well, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, I've grown up in the church. My dad's a pastor. Both my sisters are married to pastors. Tanya's dad's a pastor. We've grown up in church. We love the church. I believe it's God's plan A. There's no plan B. We will become a radiant bride, ready for the Lord's return. And this past summer, the Lord was just reconnecting my heart to local church ministry. It's 
what I've lived. It's what I've breathed. I loved the six and a half years that I was in Kansas City. I'm so grateful for that. But I just realized coming through 2012, there was just this longing to establish myself in local church ministry again. And, uh, you know, I was coming to Billy uh, because I've been investing in church plants. Uh, We have about a dozen church planters around the world that we love and father and mother. And, uh, And so I was coming in July just wondering how the Lord might connect praying church plants um, with what Billy's doing here, and I had no idea that he would unveil this opportunity to stay in the prayer movement, which I'm totally committed to. The Lord's won my heart for 24-7 prayer. Intimacy is the key to the radiance that will be on the bride as we approach the Lord's return. I know that. I'm committed to that. But the thought that I could stay within the movement and give myself to local church ministry was just I couldn't have scripted that. I just sat there, as Billy said, just going, this is unreal. I, didn't, I, I couldn't figure out how this could work, but here it is. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. One of the things that I don't think we even talked about is right after our meeting, I left for China. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was in China just stewing over this, saying, Lord, is this you? And communicating with my wife, and it was while I was in China that the Lord... You know, I got back from China thinking I need to bring Tanya here so that she can see how cool Billy is and how awesome the leadership is. And, you know, that'll kind of sway her to, to say, yeah, I think this is right. But while I was in China and we were interacting over email, the Lord was confirming in her heart so that when I returned from China, she said, look, I don't even feel like we need to go there. This is God. We're, let's start packing. And so literally, yeah, we did that while I was in China. You know, one of the coolest things for me was, like I said, I'm expecting the Lord to send a 30-year-old that somehow i got to train and figure out, you know, how am I going to sharpen this 30-year-old guy. Instead, he sends us a pastor with 30 years in the ministry. (laughs) And I just went, man, he's got the right color hair. He's been down the road. He's been through... Thick and thin, been in the prayer movement. Come on, he's good to hug. I yeah. mean, come on, this is, come on. I was like, well, you, you're doing good, don't you, Lord? Because I'm, think, I'm thinking I'm getting a fixer-upper. In, instead, I, you know, we get the 30-year the yeah. established. Well, there's some stuff you can work on in Amen. me. Amen, you know, we all got, got a little here stuff. and there, but you know. I'm just, anyway, I'm just so excited. I'm just overjoyed. We are too. And so we've been talking. And, uh, and planning and dreaming and talking about what does it look like to have a praying church that has real community, that, that really loves each other, that has urgency for the hour, that, that lives in an environment of night and day prayer, that's believing for breakthrough and revival, where, where all the members are, are serving and connecting and going for this thing together. And as I love how one of the guys in the school ministry says, we're all feeling the weight of the ministry together. We're all you know, putting our hand to the plow together. I thought, man, what would it look like to have a praying church within the, within the umbrella of the missions base? Beloved, that's who God's asking us to become. That's who God's transitioning our Sunday communities to become, is a praying church readying the bride for Jesus' return. 
getting ready for the return of the Lord with a culture of honor, a culture of joy, a culture of prayer, a culture of love. I mean, all these things that are near and dear to us. But here's the deal. Now the Lord is adding to us the leadership to be able to make these things happen. And so, you know, whereas we had, we had everybody sign up, how can we get everybody serving? We had everybody sign up with their gifts, you know, in the middle of the summer. Beloved, we're still trying to figure out how to get everybody plugged in. Well, guess what? Now we've got a whole new, new way. Places. Yeah, new focus <laughs> to be able to direct people to, to get people plugged in. You guys, some of y'all sign up on your gift thing, and you're going, I'm just waiting for a phone call. And we're going, well, you know what? We, we want to give the phone call, but now we've got leadership that's going to be able to direct the Sunday community of the house of prayer, Gate City Church, mm. Gate City Church, and we're going to be able to connect with each other relationally, serve the Lord together, and reach out and touch people for Jesus in this community, all from the center of night and day prayer. Man, this is the Lord. I, I'm so excited about it. you have anything Amen. else you want to share? I'm so thankful to the Lord. That leadership principle of him walking behind and saying, this is... This is my way. That's absolutely the way he leads. And I'm so confident in what he's going to do among us. Yeah, it doesn't ever look like the way you think. Stay here with me. All right. You know, so here's the deal. Many of you, and you, you know this because we've talked about this a lot this summer. Many of you have been trying to figure out, okay, how do I connect more? This is how we're going to do it. We're actually going to build out this Sunday community with lots of handles, with lots of avenues for people to connect, with lots of relational connections, but lots of service connections as well so people can connect. And then also focus ministry. We're actually going to do men's ministry. Whoop! Yeah, right. Women's ministry. We're actually going to do some of these things. Yeah. I, man, I'm, this is just like, wow, Lord, you couldn't have given us a better gift. And so here's the deal. So many of you have gifts. You, you have an itch in your heart. How do I jump in more. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to build out organizationally something that's going to enable that. It's going to enable you to connect more into the house of prayer. And so I am super, super excited. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to invite us. Let's all just stand. I'm convinced this is, again, another facet of this merger of prayer and mission. And here's why. The prayer movement at the end of the age isn't going to primarily be just houses of prayer. It's going to be praying churches all over the earth. And I feel like the Lord wants to give us a model of what a praying church can be so that we can call other churches to it. Here's one of the things. In the earliest days, when the Lord began to first prick my heart, with the vision of night and day prayer, and I was just like, I don't know if that's you, Lord, if I'm just losing my mind or what. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Atlanta is the gate city of the South, and it is. It's, uh, Atlanta is historically called the gate city of the South. He said, if you will open the gate in Atlanta through night and day prayer, it will touch the entire Southeast. And if you touch the entire Southeast, it will touch the entire nation and the nations of the earth. And I am convinced now, as the Lord has been dreaming about 24-7 prayer here and he's given it to us, he's been dreaming about Gate City Church from our onset. And I believe he wants to give us a model. He wants to give us a a church model that's going to be able to spark and encourage and challenge other churches to give themselves to prayer in a real way as the foundational core of their ministry.
And that's who we are. And that's why God's brought you here, why he's brought me here. That's what we're here to do. And so, and brought Rich and Tanya here. I'm just, man, I'm so grateful for you guys. We've been praying for seven years that God would add the pastoral component to the house of prayer. And so when Rich and Tanya showed up, I went, that's a good answer to prayer, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. 